So as we begin, again, since I'm not quite sure where we're going to go with our time together, we really need to pray. So please join me as we pray once again. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we have come together here because you have called us to worship on your Sabbath day. Lord, you gave us this day as a day of rest and gladness. Yet, Lord, so many in this world lack that joy, that hope, that gladness. And so, Father, as we are here together, we want to experience healing as well, so that when we leave this place in the next day or two, we will be able to share that healing with others. Be with us in our Sabbath school hour. Give us your Holy Spirit. We know he is here because you have promised where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And so we know that he is here. Let us be here for your namesake, for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start by talking about some of the basics of mental health. Mental health. How many of you have seen the, the growing numbers of mental health issues in the world today? Um, have you followed? Okay, a number of you have been following the, the numbers, the trends, just seeing how, how things are getting worse and worse. Um, I, might, I might have to jump around with my slides here, so let's see. We're gonna, yes, we're gonna jump right now. Let's, we're going to start as a sort of a, uh, a warm-up to our conversation, our discussion. Let's look at some of the facts and figures about mental health, okay? So this is a pop quiz to start our Sabbath school time together. So please feel free to answer out loud. Our first question, poor mental health increases the risk of A, heart disease, B, stroke, C, cancer, or D, all of the above? Okay, all of the above. Are you sure? You sound very certain. You are right. That's right. So poor mental health does increase the risk of these other chronic health conditions. In fact, what we see is that oftentimes chronic physical health conditions and mental health conditions co-occur. They often go hand in hand. And so when we're really thinking about caring for a person's bodily health, we also need to think about caring for their mind and vice versa. Our bodies are connected to our brains. And so we do need to think about caring for people as holistic approach, which the Seventh-day Adventist Church has always promoted. So we need to remember that in our ministries. Next question. Mental illnesses are A, very common, fairly common, or not very common? A. A. Okay, wow, we're, we're very sure about our answers. And you're absolutely correct. Mental illnesses are very common, and we'll see what the numbers are in a moment. Next question on suicide. Suicide is what rank... In, as a leading cause of death among people ages 15 to 34 in the U.S.? Is it the 2nd, the 10th, or the 40th? 
A, okay, everybody's very familiar that suicide is indeed the second leading cause of death among our teens and young adults. So this is in the prime of life, isn't it? This is when individuals are really getting to figure out where their life trajectory might be going and they're learning how to use the God-given skills and abilities and yet they are the group facing the largest number of suicides. Largest number of suicides in the United States. We do know that the elderly is the other group, the, you know, on the other end of the age spectrum. They're the other group that faces a large amount of suicide, but it's not quite as high as our younger people. So something to keep in mind as we're thinking about our young people, and by the way, I love getting our young people involved in ministry. And we saw just this morning some prime examples of young people going forward with the gospel work. We need to let our young people know that they are loved and needed in our church. Next question. Oh, just FYI, we did have a webinar um, on suicide prevention, so you can go to our website and watch that webinar too if you're interested. Next question. Half of all mental illness occurs before a person turns what age? 10, 14, or 18? Half, 50% of mental illnesses. I'm hearing A, B, okay, C. So we're not quite sure. Well, what we see by the figures is that by the time a person turns 14 years of age, half, not not half of all 14-year-olds, but half of those who experience a mental illness, it's before they turn 14. What this means is we need to start our work with children our prevention strategies. We can't wait, we can't afford to wait until we've gone so far down the line. Half of all mental illnesses. One of the challenges that we see is that many young people who have a mental illness do not seek the care. They don't receive the care that they need. And what that means is that the trajectory that they are on gets worse. And so we need to be more intentional in early intervention, early identification, early seeking care and support for our children. Our children. Okay? So, next question. What percent of mental illness begins before age 24? Now, we just looked at age 14. What about age 24? What percentage of mental illnesses happen before age 24? One-third, what was that? D, okay, 62%, 75%, 83%. C, A, okay, another one that we're not quite sure of. Well, it's what we're seeing is about 75% of mental illnesses occur before age 24. And when we understand our brain development and we recognize that so much of our developing brain occurs during that teenage and young adulthood age, prior to age 30, especially our frontal lobe development, we see that there is a high risk 
during that time. There is a high risk during that time. And so, again, we need to be more conscientious. Think about how many of these conditions we might be able to prevent if we were working on this issue earlier. If we were thinking about our children and our young people at, the, at their, those early deve developmental stages of how can I help you to grow and develop strong and beautiful and healthy as God intended. So, it's a high calling for us as a church, isn't it? But it's an important calling that we should respond to. I think this is our last question. Once a person develops a mental illness, they will never recover. Oh, thank you. Praise God. I'm so glad to hear you all say that. Almost unanimously. False. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it is false. Again, early detection, early intervention, early treatment, seeking to help people earlier in their course gives them the best hope for recovery. And recovery can be a complicated process for different people. It can go through many different stages and many different sources and, and ways of recovery. I do believe, and we promote and teach, that our holistic approach, our eight laws of health, are a vital role. And we might talk about that later this afternoon. But we, we also know that because of what mental illness is, Sometimes a therapeutic approach is also needed. So we need to be willing to, to understand and support people in finding the help that they need for their particular, uh, their particular condition and where they are. No two people are alike. We all experience health in different ways and, and experience healing sometimes to diff through different pathways as well. So I want to back up a little bit now because we've, we see that mental health is such a major issue. But we also know that this was not God's intention. We were not meant to experience this illness. That was not in God's original plan for us. And, and I think it's important when we're talking about a topic that's so sensitive that we understand how did we get to this point here when we know what God intended, what he planned for us, how did we get here? So I like to go back to the beginning, to the story of creation, to see what it was that God intended and how it is that we got here. So let's go, we're going to go to the story of creation very quickly. And we'll go through this fairly quickly because I know you're all very familiar with the story. So in Genesis chapter 2, where we get details about God's creation of humanity. Genesis chapter 2. We know Genesis chapter 1, it tells us, and God made man in his own image, in the image of God made he him. Male and female made he them. So Genesis 2 now takes that and expands it a little bit more, gives us a little bit more detail about what it was that God created, how were we created in his image. 
So take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 2, and let's start with verse 7 and 8, okay? And it says here, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So verse 7 is very, very familiar to us, right? We know God formed man out of the dust of the ground and then breathed into him his very own breath, the breath of God. It was the first gift that God gave us, his very own breath. And without that breath, that man is not a living soul, right? So these two components here that are identified are physical body and the breath of God that makes us alive. And, you know, I, I like to think that God was so in love with us he said, you know, I don't want you to just live and move, but I want you to have being. And I'm going to give you that existence by, by putting my own breath in you. And I want, that, I want you to understand by that that I want to be with you in every moment of your life. So I like to think of it as God was saying, we're going to be in spiritual connection, you and I, together, every moment of every waking day of your life, for all eternity, is what he hoped for, what he planned for. So, he gave us a physical body, and then a spiritual, unbroken connection with him. Now, there's more details that we actually glean as we continue to read Genesis chapter 2. So let's look at that in verses 18 through 20. Genesis 2, verses 18 through 20. And the Lord God said, it is not good. Hang on. Did, did anybody notice that? Genesis 1, God said, it is good. It is good. It is good, good, good. Every day of creation, it is good. And then the last day, it is very good. But here, God says it is not good. What, what is he saying is not good? It is not good that the man should be alone. I'm sorry. God is saying man is alone. But 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 I'm sorry, but wasn't Adam able to talk to angels? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> wasn't Adam speaking to God face to face in the garden of Eden? But why is God saying that man is alone? There's none of his kind. There's none of his kind. 
God put within us at the very beginning a desire to be with others who are like us. This desire to be connected with others, to be in communion, yes, with God, and our communion with God was full and complete and unbroken, yet God said, but I want to give you more. I want you to have even more. I am all you need, but I'm going to give you more. That is God's love for us. And so he put in us the desire to be with other human beings. And so when we look at the social component of health and wellness and wholeness, it's an important piece that we often fail to make healthy. So we need to be intentional in keeping our social connections healthy as well because it's part of how God created us. Going on. Now in verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. I just love how God works with us. You see, God said, Adam, I have a job for you to do. And, Adam, and God said to Adam, Adam, you see all these creatures, I've created them. I've used my immense power to bring them to life. But Adam... I gave you a brain. I gave you a mind that also has creative ability. Your creativity that I have given you, Adam, I want you to exercise it and grow it. And I want you to use it to make up names for these animals. You see, God didn't say, Adam, here's dog. Adam, this is giraffe. Mr. Giraffe and Mrs. Giraffe. No, God said, Adam, what do you want to call this? Because whatever you call it, that will be its name. God gave us a mind that reflects his creative power. And when it was in constant communion with him, that mind gave, brought forth wondrous, amazing, beautiful things. So, our four components that God created us with. Our physical body, that unbroken spiritual communion with him, cognitive ability for, for creativity, but also leadership. We didn't mention that, but that was also part of God's plan. Leadership capacity. And then that relational desire to be with others. Those four components, and this is what we consider to be the holistic design of God for humanity. And when any one of those pieces is damaged, they all suffer. And in fact, in Genesis 3, we see this happen. Genesis 3, I wish the Bible could have just stopped at Genesis 2, but we're here today because of Genesis 3, because brokenness came into the world. And we won't look at all these verses, but as we look at the description of what happened once sin entered the world, we see mental brokenness. Adam and Eve were ashamed 
of their nakedness. They were not before. But when sin entered, shame, they were fearful. They hid from God. Their spiritual connection with him was broken. And they hid from him, hiding, afraid of what he might do, the guilt. And emotionally and mentally, they were broken. When God asked Adam what happened, he blamed Eve. Their relational wholeness was broken. And then we see in the final verses the curses that come upon us. Physically, we would, our bodies would decay and eventually return to dust. Emotionally, mentally, relationally, all these curses and brokenness in our world because of that one decision to distrust God and to choose a lie instead. What we are seeing today in the world is really the downstream effect of that one moment in time. And when we come to understand that this brokenness in all four areas of, of this, of what God created, this is what we all inherit. It is not necessarily choice that we make to inherit this. Yes, we can all make choices that could lead us down an unhealthy pathway in these areas. But we all do come into the world with this brokenness. What that means is that we can have greater compassion on those whose brokenness seems so much worse than our own. And as Christ, when he was moved with compassion, he went out and healed them of all their diseases. That is what God is looking for his church to do today. We should be moved with compassion. And when we understand that this sin, this brokenness, is a result of the sin in this world, and we have an opportunity as a church to minister healing and hope, then we can make a difference in these people's lives, in our own lives. Mrs. White says this in the book, Councils on Health. Satan is the originator of disease. Who? Satan, the originator of disease. And the physician is warring against his work and power. Sickness of the mind prevails everywhere. Nine-tenths of the diseases from which men, women, children suffer have their foundation where? In the mind. In the mind. Church, we have always been called to minister healing to the mind. Has, this has been a part of the work of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it's all the more relevant in these last days. The same quote continues on, and I find this so fascinating how Mrs. White just unwraps truths for us. She continues to say this, perhaps some living home trouble is like a canker eating to the very soul and weakening the life forces. Some people suffer with mental health, even physical health conditions because of trauma, abuse, 
other issues in their life as children. They're completely innocent, completely unwarranted, but because of what they have lived through, they suffer with these conditions. Remorse for sin, she goes on, sometimes undermines the constitution and unbalances the, sign, the, 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 the mind. Remorse for sin, when we are unable to, to accept fully the forgiveness and pardon that Christ offers. What about those who don't know that Christ is a loving, pardoning Savior? And they struggle with their sins because they don't have that hope. She goes on. There are erroneous doctrines also, such as the eternal burning hell, endless torment, that by giving exaggerated and distorted views of the character of God have produced the same result upon sensitive minds. Look at the breadth of how she's expanding our horizons of what are some of the underlying causes of some of the issues that we see in the world today. And so this is such a great opportunity for our church because we can help them see the true character of God when we reveal to them the truths of hell and the state of the dead and the soul that, that's what our, our, our doctrines can do when we present them in the way that, that brings healing and hope. Such an opportunity for us as a church. So, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. We've already seen our questions. Let's take a quick look at what is mental health. Now, sometimes we conflate the terms mental health, mental illness, mental problem. You know, so the, the, the terminology kind of gets mixed up. But mental health is not necessarily poor mental health. It can mean good mental health. It can mean you're, 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 do, you're stable, at least. So basically, mental health is simply our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. We know that um, poor mental health impacts all of these areas. It impacts us emotionally, psychologically, socially, and I would even add physically and even spiritually. Our mental health, whether it's good, mediocre, poor, it affects how we act, think, and feel. And so again, a very important aspect for us as a church because we are on a mission to help people make healthy choices in their behaviors, but also in their spiritual walk. And so if they're struggling with their mental health, they may not actually have the capacity to make those healthy choices. It helps us determine how to handle stress, relate to others, again, make choices. Our, the health of our mind and even of our brain itself, that organ, can be affected by biological factors, by trauma, abuse, life experiences. Also, family history does have a part to play in many of our mental health conditions. 
And so mental illness is now what we call a clinically significant disruption. So there are some times where we may feel sad, depressed, lonely. We may feel um, uh, burdened by something emotionally. But it may not necessarily be a clinical condition. It may not necessarily be something that can be diagnosable um, and that would even require intense treatment. But a mental illness that is clinical will often require treatment. And um, a lot of this is because there are actual physiological changes in the brain that need much more intense treatment recovery. The um, American Psychological Association has developed 19 different categories of mental disorders. I've listed just a few here, and also some of the types of examples of those disorders. So did you know that eating disorder is considered a mental health, mental illness? Mood disorders, such as depression, uh, personality disorders, trauma, such as PTSD. So the, you, when you start looking at the breadth of mental health, mental illnesses, we start seeing that there's, there is a reason why we see so many people, because there is such a broad range of disorders and illnesses that we find. Here are some of the early warning signs of mental illness. So something to keep track of, you know, for ourselves, a loved one, if we're seeing some of these symptoms, maybe some, something we need to start looking at. What can we do to help this person to prevent progression? So eating or sleeping either too much or too little. So extremes. Avoiding people or their usual activities, the things that usually they find joy in having low energy or no energy, feeling numb or, or sensing that there's just nothing that matters anymore, unexplained aches and pains. Now, when you look at some of these, you wonder, well, I have some unexplained aches and pains. Does that mean I have a mental health disorder or illness or I'm down that progression? Maybe not. Maybe not, because there are other conditions that also have some of these symptoms. But these are, again, when we're seeing more, we're, when we're seeing several of these signs and symptoms, maybe it's a, a, a trigger for us to say, you know what, I better get checked out. I need to maybe investigate and see if I'm going down that road or if it's some other problem. Maybe it's just too much stress at the moment. Or, so we, but, but you know, keeping aware is, is part of what we want to do. Uh, so, Smoking, drinking, so addictions. Um, we'll talk about addictions tomorrow. Feeling confused, forgetful, yelling, fighting with family, severe mood swings, um, persistent thoughts or memories that you just can't get out of your head. Hearing voices or believing things that are not true. Thinking of harming yourself or others. And I think we're, we're actually seeing a lot of that in today's society. The inability to perform daily tasks like taking care of your kids, 
getting to work, to school, just those normal activities of daily living, just the inability to do it or the lack of desire even to do it. Now, this is where I think I'm going to pause. And I want to open up for a little bit of discussion in some time that we have to, uh, left today, which is quite a bit of time. What I want to do is, is ask you, are there any examples in the scripture of people who potentially struggled with a mental illness? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sure. Okay, that was from the quote from Mrs. White, that most of the illnesses of today originate in the mind. So we can look at that from different angles, certainly. Um, what are the predisposing factors that result in illness? Um, some of the things, we've mentioned trauma and abuse. So those kinds of life situations actually influence the development of the brain. So let's talk about children, young children who go through trauma or abuse um, or, or through war zones. They actually have a different development physiologically of their brain. And that then impacts their ability to make decisions and choices and may lead them down the path of unhealthy behaviors Oftentimes, a lot of people who go through trauma end up in addictions. Um, there's also, we can talk about pain, pain management. We've heard of the opioid epidemic. A lot of the pain that does have a role in, in our brain sensors is medicated through these drugs that influence the addictive portions of our brain. And so that can also lead to bad behaviors, poor choices, and so forth. Now, if we talk about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which we used to think only happened to um, you know, war soldiers in, in a war, uh, many of them come back home and then experience PTSD. We see that, and this is again related to trauma in general, but we're seeing that these events and situations in their life can actually lead them to have real physical problems as well, like high blood pressure. And if we're talking about high blood pressure, let's talk about forgive, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness has been shown to increase blood pressure. So, so yes, we can definitely see that there are many, many diseases which we may not always be able to, for example, uh, as, you know, a clinician may not be able to tell their patient, well, this was the trajectory. You first had this problem, then you had this problem, then you had this. They may not be able to identify that clearly because our life is so complex and things happen in multiple times and ways. But we are seeing that these things are definitely correlated. Our physical health problem, our emotional, mental uh, uh, needs or, or, um, or issues there as well. Does that help? Thank you.
Okay, so let's go to the Word of God. All right, examples in Scripture of people who may have struggled with a mental issue. Yes. King Saul. King Saul. Okay. Now, when I when when you give call out an answer, you also need to call out a verse. <laughs> because we have lots of stories about King Saul. But so look for it. Okay? Because we'll want to go there. Anyone else? And your friends can help you, your neighbors, you can help each other find where is the story of King Saul in the scriptures where he may have struggled with a mental health related or something that seems like it might be mental health. Okay. Of course, the story of King Saul is found in 1 Samuel. So we can start there. And I'm guessing that you're talking about... So, of course, it's the... It's the very end of the book of 1 Samuel. So, of course, King Saul's story progresses over time. We see that. Um, but let's turn to, um, let's see, where King Saul goes to see the, the woman. Is that what you're thinking of, perhaps? Okay, his final battle. So this is chapter 28, 29. Has anybody found it? This remember this is the part that I didn't prepare for. <laughs> this is what God said we probably should do today. So um where is the story of King Saul and when he goes to seek the woman, here we go, with familiar spirits. Chapter 28, thank you. So chapter 28, and let's read about King Saul. And I want you to pay attention to, again, these signs and symptoms here that are on the screen. And as we go through the verses, I, I believe you have a microphone there. Would you please read for us, starting in verse 4? So 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 4. And let's just go through this verse by verse to see if we see some of these early warning signs. Of course, this is late in Saul's progression, but let's see what we can find. And the, and the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa, and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Okay, let's pause there for a moment. Any signs that you see in those verses identified on the list? Being afraid. Okay, where is that on the list? How about feeling helpless or hopeless? Okay, maybe there. Okay, so there's one. All right, let's, anything else? Elijah. Oh, well, let's stick with King Saul for just a few more minutes, but we, we will go to Elijah. Yes, 
So anything else in those verses that we pulled out? His heart trembled. Okay. All right. So again, that hopelessness. Let's see. Anything else that we see? Worry. Okay. Feeling confused, forgetful, on edge, angry, upset, worried, scared. Okay. So those really intense emotions. All right. And let's continue reading. Verse 7, I believe. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath the familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on an, uh, put on other raiment, and he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest that thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore, then layest thou a snare and snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swear to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. Okay, let's pause there again for a little bit. Anything that we see here? Believing things that are not true. Okay. Remember that we, we saw um, earlier that how Mrs. White says that sometimes our false doctrines could lead us down a road of having erroneous beliefs about the character of God. What is happening to King Saul here? Hasn't he just given up on some of the core beliefs about the state of the dead? and about God himself. God has left me. That's why he's going here, right? God has left me. God is no longer called, talking to me. Of course, we know that Saul left God. But here he is again. He's take, holding on to a lie about the state of the dead in the hopes to, to ease this pain that he is under. Okay, that was a very good catch. Thank you. All right, let's continue reading. Oh, yes. He's playing with, with, with witchcraft. Right, right. Demonic, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, um, we live in a world where there are demons. This is the result of sin. Sure, the story of the man possessed, yeah. We do, I, I will just say this because we, well, let me say this first. Let's remember Ellen White's verse, quote, where she named several different potential causes for mental illness, for mental struggles. 
She actually didn't mention devil demon possession in that list. But Matthew, uh, Mark 5, 9. I, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. The point I'm trying to make, not every case of mental illness is about demon possession. And not if some probably are, but not every. And the tendency that I have seen is that we like to put everything in the demon possession box. And that's where I draw caution. Because that, that is, well, I, I'll just say that. I'll just say that. And I'm, we're going to go back to this story because we're not done with Saul yet. But I just want to voice caution. We, we're in a battle against the devil. Satan is the originator of all disease. Ellen White said that as well. We know that. He is the originator. But let's not put everybody into the demon possession box because that often puts us in a place where we don't want to deal with them. And that's what we want to guard against because remember, Jesus went to help him specifically, right? Jesus enters the world of the worst, downtrodden, the most neglected, and he will go there to help them. And, but we as humans, we struggle with that. So that's why I'm just raising that caution. But thank you. Yes, we're going to go back here, but, but we'll, we'll see what we can do, okay? All right, let's continue with King Saul. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said, unto her, Be not afraid, for what, the, what, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God ascending out of the earth. And let's, we're going to skip a number of verses here. Let's go to uh, verse 19, where this is, we're starting with, the woman is telling Saul some of what's going to happen. The Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway all along the, on the earth, and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel, and there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day, nor all the night. Okay, and let's pause there again. Is there something else that we see in our list? Loss of appetite. Yes. Uh, what else did I hear? No strength. Yes, lack of energy. Right, so we are seeing clearly that King Saul very likely was under mental distress. And by the way, we know King Saul surrendered his hold on Christ, on God. He, he did make choices that pushed him further down this road. And that's important to remember as well. 
we can make choices that lead us in different decisions, in directions, different directions. Yes? Yeah, another, another example of mental illness is when you go to the book of Matthew chapter 17. Okay, I'm going to pause you <laughs> because we're still talking about King Saul. Yes. I know there, there are definitely a number of, of uh, passages. We're not going to have time to go over them all today, but since King Saul was the first one to come up and Elijah was the next one we heard, let's see if we have time to go through these. Yes. Well, just touching a little bit on King Saul, um, in, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16, 18, it, it does actually say that in Saul's case, and I'm, I understand what you're saying, that we need discernment for every case, but for Saul's case, it, it talks about an evil spirit. Right. And, and, that, um, and sometimes it would come out, um, but there was, in his particular case, there was some demonization going on. Yeah. Isn't it very interesting? It's so interesting when you think about King Saul's life, even after he had rejected God, he was also given the gift of prophecy. He was able to prophesy. So what's going on here? How could he be under the influence of demons and yet at other times under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Uh, I don't know how, but I mean, Balaam did that. Yeah. Jonah was running yeah. from God and still had a message. Right, so right. I, yes. So I understand your, your comment about not wanting us to take every case and put it in the demon possession category. But I also think that as a checklist, but I also think that as a checklist of things that we are looking at when a person presents, that has to be on the list because there's biblical examples for that. And when we talk about children, what I've seen the trajectory is, as soon as they present, we don't look at what they're eating, we don't look at what they're watching, it's medication. And at that young age, when you talk about you know, things that uh, a developing brain, putting children on medication without looking at the other inputs, I think is just as bad as it being untreated. So that's some of the thing, especially as Adventists, who we know that we need to look at it holistically. And when, so when I saw treatment on your slides, it made me a little... It made me a little on edge because I've seen treatment when we go into regular hospitals or doctors is which drug of choice are we going to give you to deal with your problem without looking at these other things. I want to go on with the rest of my slides because I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. And I knew that word was going to put some people on edge. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's, well, anyway, let's, I know, I know, I, trust me, trust me. Um, I'm not going to spend time telling you all my back background, but I am a clinically tra trained dietitian. The first thing I want to tell people is what's your diet like? Whatever the condition, where is your diet? What is your physical activity? Are you sleeping? How is your stress management? Those are the things I always counseled my patients with. Um, so yes. I agree. Medication was never meant to be the first treatment option. And in fact, the, the physicians who are able to and are well-trained, they will not go the medication route first. 
And, and even, by the way, even if you look at the Diabetes Association, the Heart Association, they will say the first route is lifestyle. They say it. So I agree with you. But there are cases where I hope that we don't shame people Amen. from finding the help that they need. That's, my, that's my, my plea. That is my plea. We don't know everybody's story. We cannot judge everything, the decisions that they make, by, you know, if, if we really want to help people, we need to enter their world. We've got to enter their world and invest ourselves in their lives. It's very important. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. On that note, I want to just go through some of the last slides. I wish we could talk about Elijah and Matthew and Luke 5. I mean, we, Mark 5. There are so, so this is homework. This is Sabbath school. So you should get homework after school, right? So homework. As you read the scriptures, look and see what are we learning about mental illness in these stories? What is God teaching me about this person's life and what led them down that pathway? And if I were to encounter someone who might be going down a similar pathway as this person, how could I minister hope and healing to them? All right, so let me go through a few more slides, um, which I hope will alleviate some of the uh, some of the concerns well, I can't let's see all right let's see what we've got here um, I was gonna we touched briefly on the severity of illness so this is just a quick point depression as one example of a mental illness just one example there are as, as there's different severity. And so sometimes people may feel sad. Um, we may even say, I feel depressed because of a event that happened in our life, a loss of a loved one, a, fa a job, and something that's important to us. We may feel depressed. That may not necessarily put us in clinical depression. Okay, so there are different severity levels. And the more severe we get, the more physiological changes that are happening in the brain and in the body. And so, again, I would say that's where we need to be more intense in our recovery. By the way, sorry, too many, too many points here. We had a mental health summit, a virtual mental health summit earlier this year. We had some wonderful presentations from some folks out near... Um, working near Weimar, our, our neighbors, our co colleagues um, in California, where they are using hydrotherapy to treat some mental health conditions and having great success. So we, we have opportunities, okay? So please don't, please know that I am a full supporter of seeking the, the remedies, the natural remedies. But I'm not going to, I'm going to show compassion on those 
whatever pathway they choose to care for their health. It's their personal decision. All right, let's skip through some of these. Okay, here's a quote from a book called Mental Health and the Church. For years, this is a uh, psychologist, I believe. For years, my confidence in trusting Christ as my Savior rested on my knowledge of the Bible, the evidence that he had transformed my thoughts and actions, my capacity for withstanding adversity. Praise God! You know, I just don't know how people who do not know Christ survive the pandemic, quite frankly. Because going through such a situation without Christ in your life is a hundred times more difficult. But when Christ is in our lives, when we know him as our personal savior, we have hope in this world. He promises us strength in the storms. (laughs) He promises to be with us in the storms too, amen? He is a refuge of hope when trials prevail and a peace that surpasses all understandings. I know you've had trials in your life. I have mine as well. But Christ has been there with us, and he has given us peace through those storms. But this person goes on to suggest, herein lies one of the most pervasive misunderstandings regarding mental illness, that God spares this kind of pain and suffering from those with deep and abiding faith. Sometimes we think that if our faith is strong enough, if if we do the right behaviors, we will never experience these illnesses. But remember, we are living in a broken, fallen world. We have not yet been delivered from this world. And I know that's going to make everybody pause and think, but remember, we are still broken people living in a broken world. And yes, Christ has the power to deliver, but sometimes he says, like he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I will not take away your ailment because you need to depend on me. Sometimes God says it is not because of his sin or his parents' sin, but so that the power of God might be manifest. We don't know why God allows situations and illnesses in every, situ- in every case. We don't know. We, we don't have a full understanding of why he allows some people to struggle with lifelong mental illnesses. But he says to each one of us, my grace is sufficient. So we need to break down stigmas, church. We need to break down stigma. I'm not going to read this quote, but stigma prevents people from getting the care. And by the way, part of the care that I believe people desperately need is a church family that supports them and loves them and says, we're with you in this journey. We're here for you. We're going to support you, even if I disagree with the decisions you make. We're going to support you and pray for you 
so that God does his work in you. We have a huge opportunity as a church to come to the forward, to come to the front and be a place of hope and healing. We have a, I'm going to hope, skip to as we close to Mrs. White again. She says this, when the gospel is received in its purity and power, it is a cure for the maladies that originated in sin. We may not be able to promise people a perfect, complete restoration in this world, but we know that time is coming. And, and we have hope in this world. We can have joy even in our sufferings, but we do also need to point them to the eternal hope that is coming, where none of these issues will be a problem anymore. So, yes, we help them where they are, what they're able to do, but let's give them that eternal hope. Let's fill their lives with the truths of God's word to set them free from maybe some of those things that are chaining them to this world. Not all this world bestows can heal a broken heart or impart peace of mind or remove care or banish disease. Fame, genius, talent, all are powerless to gladden the sorrowful heart or to restore the wasted life. The life of God in the soul is man's only hope. You know, when Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, three times he went to his friends. Three times he said, my soul is in anguish. Christ knows what it feels like to have those emotions. He says, would you not stay and pray with me? If Christ needed human beings around him to support him in what he was going through at that moment, how much more do we? We are in this together, my friends. We need to be there for each other. Pointing each other to Jesus, our true hope. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, there's so much around this topic that, that we just need you, Lord. We need you to enlighten our minds and to fill our hearts with the compassion of Christ. And Lord, we have truths to help people set them free. Lord, let us love them as you do. Let us be willing to enter into their world just as Christ left heaven to enter ours. Lord, let us be the hope for people who are struggling and suffering and point them to Jesus, our one true hope. We pray this in his name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit 
www.audioverse.org.